Uh, one of the things that I'm reminded of and thankful for living here in the Midwest now, if you can't tell by the sound of my voice, I'm not from here. Um, I was on the phone a couple days ago at a public place, and I was outside the door, and I thought I was fine because I was outside, but they have a little waiting area right inside the door, and when I walked back in, uh, the lady said, you're from the south, aren't you? And I said, yes, ma'am, I am. Uh, so, so my voice gives me away. I'm not from here, but one of the things I've loved about living here in Kansas is the fact that we do actually have some seasonal weather. Isn't that kind of nice? Like, uh, Now listen, full disclosure, don't throw this back in my face if I'm complaining about any future snow we have in this year, all right? I'm over that. I'm ready for that to be done. But, but if it happens, uh, not, not a big fan. But I got to tell you that where we come from in southeast Texas, uh, jackets were somewhat optional. Like winter was basically a couple of cold snaps a year, and, and that was it. So uh, I remember this past Christmas, everybody was, y'all were like all up in your feelings, like awkwardly so about Christmas this year. It just doesn't feel like Christmas. And can I just tell you, my family was living our best life, enjoying a Southeast Texas Christmas. We're playing on the driveway, saying this is awesome. I don't know what all you people are talking about. This is amazing. That was normal for us. But eventually the cold weather found us, and though it was admittedly a mild a winter, I think that most of us would find ourselves wholeheartedly embracing spring. Anybody? Like we're ready, bring it on, like April showers, bring May flowers, and also pollen and allergies and all that stuff too. But, but whatever comes with it, like we're ready, we say bring that on, and we are ready for the changing of the season because there's something special about those changes of the season. Here's what I also know. We're, we're ready for summer, but by the end of summer, can I tell you what we're going to be saying? Man, I'm ready for some cooler weather. Those leaves start to change. We're like, what a special time of year this is. And then we're going to say it's not cold enough at Christmas. This message is about y'all complaining at Christmas time, okay? That is our palm sun. No, I'm kidding. But, but there's something about the changing of the seasons that just reminds us that we live in a world that's constantly changing all the time. There are seasons in life just like there are seasons on our planet. We live in a world that brings new life, yet it also brings death. There's change, there's joy, yet there's also sorrow. There's lament, but there's also hope. And it doesn't take passengers of our planet long to see that we live in an ever-changing world. But with all of these ever-changing moments and ever-changing things, there comes with it quite a bit of fear and anxiety. It seems like the only constant in our world is that everything is changing. And if you're like me, you end up getting caught a little bit in like a cycle of cynicism and confusion. Like if I'm being honest with you, even in really good times in my life, I'm like, yeah, but it's going to get worse soon. Just wait. Anybody else? Like some of you are like, you need help. I've got a counselor. It's fine. You, you do you. All right. But it's like, man, like I'm sure something bad is bound to happen any minute. And here's the, the reality. Some of you are like, well, you're kind of pessimistic. But here's what I know. That's also just true <laughs> because we live in an ever-changing world. Habakkuk was bothered by the condition of his world and the condition of his life. 
So he took these complaints to the Lord, and over the past month or so, we have journeyed with Habakkuk through doubts, worries, fears, complaints, and we have seen the Lord do a miraculous work in his heart. He started with complaints, but at the end of this book, we see worship. And this is the crazy part to me because Habakkuk didn't change because his circumstances changed. It's not like God heard Habakkuk's prayer, waved a magic wand, and was like, boom, it's all settled now. No, but instead, Habakkuk was transformed. God moved his focus from the world and set his attention firmly on the God who never changes. So we're going to see this clearly in Habakkuk's prophecy in this final section of this great book. But I want to just give you the big truth this morning. Here it is. God is the unchanging source of joy and strength in an ever-changing world. God is the unchanging source of joy and strength in an ever-changing world. Seasons are going to change. Life is going to change. But through every spring, summer, fall, and winter, God is God and God is all that we need. Amen? Amen. It's easy to amen that now, though, right? We're in church. You're supposed to amen that. I even gave like a, please amen that. But are you able to say amen when you're in the middle of it? We're going to see Habakkuk doing that today. So let's get to the text. We're in Habakkuk 3, starting in verse 17. The word of the Lord says this. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places to the choir master with stringed instruments. Will you pray with me? Lord, as we come to the conclusion of this series, as we come to the conclusion of Habakkuk, Lord, I pray that you would allow these truths to sink deep into our hearts and souls so that we can be changed by them in a real way today, Lord. Help us, Father God, to hear your truth and respond to it today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So Habakkuk started this book off with some huge questions for the Lord. He was burdened about the state of God's people. He was burdened and concerned about the state of the world around him. He was uncertain of the future, and he had some big issues. And in his humble but accurate opinion, it was time for God to do something about it. So he says, how long, O Lord, will you stand by idly? How long are you just going to chill out and not do anything about this? And God replies and goes, oh, I'm doing something about it. I'm sending the Babylonians to judge my people. And then Habakkuk said, whoa, 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 wait a second, God. They're worse than us. And how are you going to use them to judge us? How can you use somebody worse than us to judge us for being bad? Like, that doesn't make sense. And God responds with his truth. And as Habakkuk dialogues, really, with the Lord in prayer, we see that he is transformed. That as God speaks to him, he responds to that. And that the Lord begins to change his heart to the point that we see him then preaching and proclaiming the woes that we studied in chapter 2. These judgments that were coming for the people of Babylon. 
And God pronounced his judgment in a loud and clear way. And then last week, we started studying this beautiful song that closes this wonderful book. And we saw that Habakkuk's journey to faith in God and his sovereignty started with prayer. And not only real fervent prayer, but he intentionally remembers the Lord. And as he remembers the Lord, God does a work in his life. And he's radically transformed. And we come now to verses 17 through 19, really the culmination of this entire book. Pastor Rick, several weeks ago, introduced us to verse 4 of chapter 2, the phrase that really would become the foundation of the gospel in the New Testament. And it says that the righteous will live by faith. So the Lord says to Habakkuk, yes, the whole world is crumbling. It looks crazy out there. And the righteous are those who will not depend on their own strength, those who will depend on what they see, their own understanding, their interpretation of the future. No, the righteous are those who will live by faith. And what's incredible is that Habakkuk is really reaching into the future here, prophesying of the faith that you and I would place in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And here's what I love. This wasn't just preaching for Habakkuk. You ever sometimes wonder, like, all right, I see this guy preaching this, but does he actually live it? Charles Spurgeon, as he was uh, talking about Habakkuk, said this, it's always good to see a doctor taking his own medicine. And you see that here with Habakkuk. He's not just proclaiming that the righteous live by faith, yet he has placed his faith in the Lord. And in these verses, we see that Habakkuk's not just proclaiming this truth, but he's being transformed by it. My prayer is that we would be transformed by his word this morning as we study it together. In verse 17, we see first the reality of an ever-changing world. The reality of an ever-changing world. Habakkuk is describing really in this metaphor the way that he feels about his current circumstances. But in the midst of an agricultural society, he's really talking about realities that the people of this day would very obviously understand and know. Times of drought meant that harvests would be lost. And if the harvest is lost, you can't eat. You can't feed the animals. The herds are eventually lost. Times get hard. Some years the harvest was plentiful. Some years the harvest was just adequate and enough. Some years the harvest was not enough and it introduced crisis into their lives. But it was always changing, depending on a myriad of factors. The weather, the help. The circumstances, we've got farmers in our congregation who certainly can relate to the reality of having your livelihood tied to circumstances that are absolutely out of your control. But you don't have to be a farmer to know that we live in an ever-changing world. Sometimes the fig tree blossoms, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes the the olive produces, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes the herds are plenty, sometimes there are not. Our flocks change. Sometimes we have a lot, sometimes we have a little. And that constant change really takes a toll on us. We live in a world where really, uh, you know, the 2020, you think of the pandemic, but really the endemic in our world today would be anxiety. Psychologists and neuroscientists are really finding things on an almost daily basis that are telling us more about anxiety than we've ever understood before, really what gets to the root of it. 
See, you and I are hardwired to respond to fear. So if something scares us, we respond, right? Like some, somebody jumps, you're out, right? Like and I'll, as I always tell you, if you see me running, you should be running, right? When, when something gives us fear, we respond to it. But over time, what has happened is as humans, we have developed what is known as the prefrontal cortex. Some of you are really excited about this conversation right now. And then others of you are like, wait, what? All right. But the prefrontal cortex is this area of our brain kind of behind our eyes and our forehead. And what it really is is kind of the processing center. So, so when we see things and take in situations, the prefrontal cortex is working things out and helping us decide how we should respond to various situations based on the current information that we are able to take in. By the way, it is absolutely amazing to study the way that God has created us, y'all. We, are, we really are fearfully and wonderfully made. But here's what happens in the prefrontal cortex. When we have limited information, when we don't know if the fig tree is going to bloom, when we don't know if there's going to be fruit on the vine, when we're not sure what our herds are going to look like, our gears start spinning and thinking of all the various scenarios that lay before us. Are we going to starve? Will there be enough? Am I even going to survive this? And here's what you need to know, friends. In an ever-changing world, if we spend our mental energy trying to predict the future, we are setting ourselves up for a life of worry and anxiety. Do you remember what Jesus said? Like, here's what's wild. Like, I'm literally quoting to you information that comes from the latest journals of neuroscience and psychology. Like this is breaking news that I'm giving you today. Yet what I want to tell you is that the Bible has been calling this for thousands and thousands of years. Remember what Jesus said? Sufficient for tomorrow are its troubles. Like he's like, why are you worrying about stuff today that might happen tomorrow? Like those worries will still be there tomorrow. Don't think about those things. Don't worry about what might happen. Let's focus on the kingdom. Let's focus on the here and the now. Thousands and thousands of years before science and psychology are catching up, Habakkuk said, though we live in an ever-changing world, Even though we don't have all the information we need, here's what I'm going to do. He said, I'm not going to focus on the information I don't have. I'm going to lean on what I know to be true. This isn't just an Old Testament principle. I think of Paul in Philippians 4 is probably the the biggest example that comes to mind quickly. Remember, he said, don't be anxious about anything, but instead pray about everything. But that wasn't all he left us with. He gave us a very practical tip. He goes on to say in Philippians 4 that the cure to anxiety is this. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Church, we need to think about what we think about today. We need to think about what we think about. Some of you may remember Pastor Lyle doing a great job of uh, preaching an expository message on Philippians 4, the very last Sunday of 2021. Some of you are like, I have no idea what he's talking about. That's all right. Preachers have weird memories for that sort of thing. Habakkuk doesn't say that we should ignore the ever-changing world. Instead, what he says 
is that we need to allow the ever-changing world, rather than lead us from, to anxiety and fear and doubt and frustration, the call is to let this ever-changing world point us to our unchanging God. So our first big point was we have an ever-changing world, but secondly, we need to think and talk about our unchanging God. And when we think about our unchanging God, we find an unchanging source of joy and strength. Look at verses 18 and 19 again with me if your Bible's still open. He says, yet, okay, so that's linking us back to verse 17. So even though the world is ever-changing, here's what Habakkuk says, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. In the original Hebrew, sometimes that preposition is translated as because. And I prefer that translation. That's how scholars render that in the New English translation. It says, I will rejoice because of the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation because God, the Lord, is my strength. So it, don't miss this. It's not just that when we get weary and beaten down by the world that we run to the Lord to find joy and strength, though the Bible certainly would preach that principle as well. But what this text is saying is that when we recognize and realize the reality of an unchanging God, that that in and of itself should produce a joy and a strength in us that is real. Do you have that today? Remember the old kid's song? I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. All right, I was disappointed in that. Some of y'all didn't go to children's church and it shows, all right? Get the kids back in here, palm branches and everything, let's go. Do we live with this joy? Do we live with this strength? This unchanging God provides a source of unchanging joy and unchanging strength for his people. This is available to you if you're in Christ today. So I just got to ask you, do you have an unchanging joy? Do you have an unchanging strength? And if you don't, can I just warn you today that your life may be linked to something other than our unchanging God. If your life is linked to the ever-changing circumstances of this world, get ready to have a constantly changing joy. Get ready to have constantly changing strength. Oh, but for those who find refuge in the Lord, they go, the Bible says, from strength to strength. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, and he is our joy. He is our strength. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but rather a spirit of power, love and self-control yet when I look at the world today and when I look at my life I see so much living in fear living in fear of man fear of other people's opinions even you good church people sometimes you're the worst actually <laughs> just saying it's another sermon fear of man fear of the world fear of circumstances fear of everything happening around us 
Well, what would your life look like today, Christ follower, if you placed your hope and trust in an unchanging God? Some of us need this stability, and we've never had it before, but it's available to you today. Back in Philippians 4, we saw that call to think about the right things, but also in chapter 4 of Philippians, we see Paul saying this, I have learned the secret to be content in every circumstance. So it's seasons of plenty, seasons when I don't have anything, in the good times, in the bad, in hunger, or in abundance. And he says, the secret to contentment is this. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. See, y'all thought that verse was just about like baseball, Quidditch, or whatever sport, you know, you put on your Letterman jacket. Cool. I can hit that baseball. Your batting average says different, buddy. Maybe, maybe pull that verse out, right? Here's what Philippians 4.13 means. Not that you can make it in whatever you're doing out there and that you're going to be successful in every single endeavor you put your hands to because that ain't it. Anybody had that luck? (laughs) Right? But here's what that means. Whatever we're walking through, we can have an unchanging joy and an unchanging strength because he is with us. Though the crops fail, though the herd thins out in a world of constantly changing circumstances, my source of hope, contentment, my purpose, my life is unchanging because I have joy and strength no matter what. Not because Paul's awesome, not because Habakkuk finally got it and is is that dude, no, but because of our unchanging God. Do you believe that this is available today? This would be a life-changing message if you actually believe this. It's so easy to get consumed with our circumstances, to be consumed with anxiety in this ever-changing world in which we live. But the invitation of the Lord is to set our hearts and minds on him. And when we do that, friends, he is unchanging. This is how we have joy on the journey. This is how we have strength in the face of whatever trials that we may face. This is how we start growing spiritually in a real and practical way. Some of you, can I just say as your pastor, I've seen this arc. Like things are going well in your life and you're like, I'm going to sign up for women's Bible study. I'm going to get all fired up. I'm going to be doing all the things. I'm going to be real passionate about the Lord. I'm just real pumped and then stuff happens and you just crash. And then about six months later, when things start lining up in your life, guess what? You're back. Can I tell you, friends, we can be steady in a world of chaos and confusion if we actually believe that we have an unchanging God. I think about Moses as he stood in the desert watching his father-in-law's sheep. Like this dude goes from being the prince of Egypt to watching his father-in-law's sheep in the desert. Being a shepherd, as, as has been noted many times, was, was a lowly job. He went from the highest of high to the lowest of low, and this wasn't like a bad season in life. Like 40 years, y'all. <laughs> like, that's a long time. That's longer than I've been alive. Some of you got, got me beat by quite a bit. That's fine. It's a long time. Yet he was changed forever. An encounter with the Lord, Yahweh shows up in the burning bush. And do you remember, he, he says, hey, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go lead my people out of Egypt. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. On whose authority am I supposed to tell the people I'm doing this? Like, how's that going to work out? And here's what the Lord says to them. 
I am that I am, says I am. He says, I am the unchanging God. God is who he says he is. When you don't know if you're going to be able to make it through life, when you don't know that you're going to be able to make it through your circumstance, can I remind you that the Lord would say to you today, I am who I am. My promises do not fail. My love for you does not change. My care for you does not change. We have that kind of unchanging God. Church, do you believe this? His character, his nature, his presence, it's unchanging. And while we cannot stop this world from changing and shifting around us, from moving and shaking and putting us in all kinds of weird circumstances, we can rejoice in the Lord in the midst of our trials. Why? Because 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 says it this way, In this you rejoice, though for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When you walk through the fire, church, you can be confident that our unchanging God is still at work in your life. He may be refining you, purifying you, and preparing you, certainly he is for an eternity in heaven with him. So even in the middle of it, in the middle of your circumstance, like whatever it is you're walking through right now, we have an unchanging joy and an unchanging strength because of our unchanging God. And that experience leads us to a place where we have strength to stand. So we've talked about our ever-changing world, we've talked about our unchanging God, and now we find finally strength to stand. The second part of verse 19 said, he makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. I love this. Able to scale the mountainous terrain, able to navigate the rocky roads of life, the highs and the lows, no matter what comes their way, the deer stands ready. Treading the high places. Do you need strength to stand today? I I know it's easy to find yourself saying, Lord, I just need a better job. Then I'll be ready to stand. Lord, I just need out of this relationship and into a new one. Because Lord knows some of you can't be not in one, right? So don't, don't look at them if they're sitting near you, right? Lord, this is just what I need. Or, or Lord, I need more money. Or if I just had a healthier financial perspective. Or Lord, if you would just fix this issue in my life. Deliver me from this circumstance. But here's what I want to ask you, church. Could it be that God has allowed you to walk right into the middle of the trial so that you could see the foolishness of an ever-changing world so that it would lead you to place your faith and trust in an unchanging God? So that you would be able to stand strong in a world of chaos and confusion. I don't know where you're at today, but I do know this. God is in the business of taking hurting, confused, struggling people, people with hard questions, people with serious spiritual struggles, people with deep, deep hurts, and transforming their hearts. 
when they come to him. Habakkuk is the proof of this, y'all. He goes from how long, O oh Lord, to this incredible prayer that we just read. So, so my prayer is that we would be able to come to him, that we would be able to bring our lives to come as we are to the Lord. Bringing our lives, our hopes, our dreams, our despair, our victories, our defeats. That as we come to him, that he would speak to us and deal with us in such a way that our hearts would be transformed. That we could be like Habakkuk. That we could move from being lost and confused to being able to trust that he is sovereign and that he is working. That we can move from wrestling with God to worshiping God today. It's worth noting the last line of this book. This, this song ends with instructions for the worship leader. And the rusty paraphrase version says, y'all play this jam with some stringed instruments. Get some guitars on this one. I had a buddy one time, a youth pastor at a church I was on staff at, who had to read scripture every Sunday morning. I remember him getting up and reading a psalm and declaring with such a great preacher voice, worship the Lord on many stringed instruments. (laughs) And at the time, I was the worship pastor leading on a guitar. And you know I wouldn't do this. Uh, But he got done, and I stepped up to the mic, strummed a couple times. I said, Lord, would you bless this stringed instrument today as we worship together? (laughs) But what this is doing is showing us that this was a song that was written to be learned, to be known, to be sung. And and in that, one of the tools of this was to help them remember it. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. The practical advice from Habakkuk on the way out is, y'all sing this song. Remember this song. Put this truth into your heart. Learn it, know it, memorize it. I would encourage you to write down verses 17 through 19 and commit this to memory. How blessed would you be if this is the phrases and the song that started playing in your heart in the middle of difficult circumstances? That when you found yourself in position where you were doubting our sovereign Lord, if you found yourself in troubles that come that are beyond your understanding, that you would be reminded that we have a sovereign Lord who is not silent. And even when it feels like the world is spinning out of control, he is there and he is a rock upon which we can cling. I hope this series has been a blessing to you. Habakkuk started with big, big questions, and that's okay. But his questions led him to know and to trust a sovereign Lord. And I pray that you would know this sovereign Lord as well, the unchanging source of joy and strength in an ever-changing world. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? I want to give you just a moment in the quiet here to reflect upon the word that the Lord has given us. So just right now, if you would just talk to the Lord and ask him to let this truth sink deep into your heart and your soul, to let this song be the one that plays in the midst of trials and difficulties, and that he would help you cling to him. Take a moment right now in the quiet of this moment to do that.